on the phone, we have the sports editor of the Boston Herald, Justin Pelletier, formerly of the Lewis and Sun Journal. You can follow him on Twitter at jpel915. Justin, what's going on down there at the Herald today? Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on down here at the Herald today. Today's moving day for us. We're uh, oh. moving into some new digs this weekend. So um, I'm, I'm uh, actually talking to you from a gutted conference room at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's a little echo in there now that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a hectic uh, couple of weeks. We launched a brand-new website a couple weeks back, which, uh, I, if I do say so myself, looks pretty snazzy. And uh, we, uh, we are... Uh, Changing buildings this week. Uh, our, our first day in our new digs are actually tomorrow, so it's a, a quick overnight uh, shift. But wow. uh, um, you know, it's been it's been in the works for a little while now. It's just a matter of like today's actually the moving day. So um, along or, you know, around all of that, of course, we're continuing to cover all the stuff that's going on in the city, uh, sports wise. But uh, um, from a logistics standpoint, that's pretty pretty big for us today. So you guys have an article about Stephen Ridley, who's one of the running backs for the Steelers, who obviously used to be on the Patriots. So it sounds like there's some players who weren't on the Patri- who were on the Patriots before, who are no longer on the Patriots, uh, who are who kind of ticked off. Uh, <laughs> what's going on there in terms of uh, Ridley and this revenge game, possibly for him? Well, you know, it's funny. First of all, we don't know how much Stephen Ridley's even going to play. Right, right, right exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, he didn't play all that much last week, and James Conner didn't play. Um, there's still speculation that James Conner actually even plays this week, even though he didn't practice. Mm. Um, so how much he actually plays, who knows? How much of that was bravado, who knows? Um, but you, you know that that was, you know, that resounded in the, in the Patriots locker room. You know it did. You know, it's it's um, another case of someone giving the Patriots bulletin board material, which is <laughs> never a smart idea. No. Never has been a smart idea, right? So I don't know. A, what he's thinking doing that in the week before his team plays them, and and quite frankly, B, um, he's got kind of a revisionist history of, of how things ended, right? I mean, uh, sure, he, he, he gained 1,000 yards, but he was hurt often. Um, and and now he's bounced around to what? Is he on his eighth team now, maybe? <laughs> um, so clearly it's not that the Patriots were the problem in, in that case. So... <laughs> um, I don't know what he's talking about necessarily, but it certainly added some fuel to the fire this week, which has been fun. Certainly. And then we were just talking about the University of Maine in our last segment. I know you went to Boston University, but how much have you been following what UMaine has been doing this year? Oh, absolutely. I've, yeah. been, I've been on the Maine train. You know, it's funny. is, is um, you know Having covered sports and, and grown up in Maine, obviously, and I'm a you know, Lewiston guy, but yeah. um, having having also worked in Lewiston for uh, as many years as I did, you you, you follow very closely and, and uh um you know from 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 tragedy to triumph that team has just had such a range of emotion this year to follow and it's been such a treat to follow what they've been doing even in their losses to those uh football foot, football bowl series yeah um teams it, it's been they've, they've done so with class and they've done so with fight and and to see them now uh, you know, you know, get to where they're at is just is nothing short of phenomenal to watch and see, and and um, you know, the coach from the coach down to the players, they've done such a phenomenal job with that program this year. One thing that's happening here in Lewiston is Bruce Nicholas has been let go as the head coach of Lewiston High School football. Your thoughts on who, may, what type of person Lewiston 
uh, athletic director Jason Fuller should approach in terms of you know, getting that program to possibly fulfill its potential because it's such a large school. Uh, you would think the football team would, would be able to produce maybe better than they have in recent years. Well, it's funny, you know. I, I have, you know, I've talked with a lot of people all over about this, and I saw the news when when Randy Whitehouse uh, broke the story last night for the Sun Journal. Um, I actually pinged me on on my uh, on my phone. I got a notification about it um, on my phone, and um, I, you know, I, I like Bruce a lot. I've I've dealt with him uh, many times over the years, um, both in his previous uh, jobs as well as at Lewis. And um, he's a great person. Uh, he means so much good for uh, everything he does, whether it's teaching or coaching, um, and you hate to see it end that way, um, but at the same time, I also believe it was time for a change at, at Lewiston. As far as Lewiston's size uh, begetting a football program, that's, you know, it's, it's hard to, to say that because, really, if you look at the demographics of the city, mm. the reason Lewiston is the largest school or the second largest school uh, in Maine right now has nothing to do um, necessarily with football culture. Um, right. You, you figure because, you know, they've added so many uh, English language learners over the years, whether they're, you know, Somali or Togolese or, or uh, from Zaire or, or, you know, wherever they're from. Uh, you know, they've added so many, so many people whose culture isn't football. Yeah. So that using numbers is to justify having a good football team is, is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like anywhere else. I mean, it's just like, you know, say Dominic Academy is a Class A elite hockey program. Yes. And they have 200 kids or less in their school. And they're playing against teams like Lewiston that have, you know, 15, 1,600 kids, and they are still on par. And so using numbers to, to say that they should have a better program is a little tough. Again, that said, there is something that they're going to need there, probably a little bit of injection of youth and excitement. Um, I personally don't know. Uh, some people online I have been watching um, claim to know who the, the heir apparent is there. Um, <laughs> I do not. Um, but um, my guess is it's going to be someone um, uh, a little bit younger um, with a lot of enthusiasm. I would have, if Spencer Emerson, uh, who has just recently left Poland, um, hadn't uh, recently announced he was going uh, to a prestigious junior college, I would have guessed that someone like him or him would have been a prime candidate for that. That said, um, he's obviously not in the running because of his uh, uh, great uh, new job. So, uh, But someone of that era, someone uh, a little bit younger, uh, a little bit more uh, on the enthusiastic yeah. side, I think that's really kind of what you're looking at to try to build a, a full-time culture of football uh, there at, at uh, Lewiston. You mentioned Spencer Emerson. Uh, last chance, you Independence Community College yeah. in Kansas. That's a little random. I mean, it's sad to see him leave Maine, but it's going to be kind of fun to watch see him on Netflix. I guess, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there's that. But uh, no, he's he's worked hard for a lot of things. Uh, he's you know overcome a lot himself. You know, he's, he's made some mistakes in his life, and he's owned up to it. And he's uh, he's moved on. And uh, I think he's a he's a great role model for someone who uh, uh, who would be in that situation where he's, he's going to go. And I think that's a, a good move for him. It's a great opportunity for him. And um, I wish him nothing but the best. He's, he's been a great uh, young athlete and, and uh, a young teacher to come through the, uh, the Central Maine area here in recent years. He's, he's been one of our best. When I go around to interview the coaches, he's been one of the best interviews. He is so passionate oh, and passionate. energetic. And it's, it's unbelievable. 
on, on, absolutely, and that's that's the kind of energy that you need now in, in to coach this generation of athletes. And I think some coaches, and that doesn't discount uh, coaches who have been around for 20, 30, 40 years either, you know, but you've seen, and a perfect example of that is Mike McGraw, the uh, the soccer coach at Lewiston High School, sure. right? He's been around coaching for, for 40 years um, at Lewiston High School, and he's learned new ways, and partly because of, and he said it himself, um, you know, part of the way he's, he's adapted to a, a newer brand of soccer is by basically teaching himself the game all over again in a different way, uh, learning from others. And anybody can do that in any sport at any level uh, and still be relevant. And so I think that's kind of what you need to see, whether the next coach of Lewiston football is 25, 35, 45, or 55. It's about adapting to the way the game is played and adapting to the way um, the, the student-athletes are responding. So uh, going to hockey here a little bit, um, the Boston Bruins are seem to be um, in a position to possibly make a move. I saw one of your uh, reporters had an article suggesting a big trade they should make. Um, tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, Steve, well, Steve, Steve Conroy is a veteran Bruins reporter for us, and uh, he floated the idea, and, and I actually saw some many people agreed, and he makes a good case for it that the Bruins should trade away Tory Krug, uh, their best power play quarterback, uh, uh, when healthy, uh, Tory Cruz is one of, I'm pretty sure it's nine defensemen now that the Bruins have that are serviceable NHL defensemen. So that's where the, the Bruins have. You always deal from a position of strength if you're trying to do anything. And right now the Bruins are very weak on depth at the forward ranks, but they're high on depth on defense. And so that's really where your position of strength is. Tory Cruz is probably the most desirable uh, thing, uh, uh, athlete on the team that other teams are going to want. So that's kind of what you have to look at. You're going to get the most return for dealing from a position of strength. And Tory Krug would be a, uh, a good trade piece for the Bruins deal. He would also be desired by other teams looking to bolster their power play to get a Chris Letang-like defenseman on their blue line uh, going forward. So that makes sense from that direction. It also makes sense that they need help up front. Uh, even when Patrice Bergeron comes back to slot in between Marchand and Pasternak, uh, Krejci seems to have gotten things going a little bit, and he's going to have DeBrusque on his wing, assuming he comes out of concussion protocol, okay? But you're missing a, another forward. You're missing a, a true scoring scoring forward to go with that second unit. Um, and, and you're also theoretically missing a third-line center, although Jacob Forsbacher Carlson seems to be kind of sort of rounding into that uh, role with uh, Donato on his wing, so that's a good thing as well. But uh, deal from a position of strength, and right now Krug is, is an extra. Um, with the emergence of Matt Grizzly, with the emergence of Charlie McAvoy, with Char going to be coming back eventually with uh, he started started skating again. Um, you've got John Moore. He's not going anywhere. So really you've got a good top four even without Tory Krug there. Um, and guys like uh, Lozon and Clifton have proven that they can – they can play on the back end at the NHL level if called upon. Well, speaking of hockey, um, up here I have the play-by-play tomorrow of uh, of Bangor at St. Dom's, and I'm a little nervous because I'm not much of a hockey person in terms of my knowledge. So if you have any advice for me on uh, what listeners want to hear from a hockey broadcast, I'm all ears right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Bangor typically has, and, and I, don't, I, I know nothing of the scene this year. Right. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. 
Um, I'm, I'm, it's still early for me. Usually, I don't start paying attention to the to really uh, in depth in the main high school hockey until just after Christmas time because mm-hmm. that's when all the teams are kind of settled out. But traditionally speaking, Bangor uh, is typically a very strong team uh, in the north, and Bangor is typically a very tall team in the north. Um, whereas St. Dominic Academy traditionally is a little bit on the smaller side, but faster. Mm. And uh, in St. Dom's also this year uh, with the return of Will Fletcher and a couple of the other young players they've had over the last couple of years uh, that have started to develop. St. Dominic Academy really is a contender this year for a state title. And Bangor always seems to be that team that can be a thorn in those contenders' sides, if not a contender themselves, regardless. So it sounds like you're going to get a pretty good one. Well, and you were here when you saw Lewis and obviously emerge as a powerhouse and winning state titles uh, year after year now. What, what are some memories of the Lewis and team's rise uh, when you were covering them here? Well, the, the rise is more of a, of a, of a, a re-emergence. Re-emergence, sure. If, yeah. you, if, you look at, if you look at the history of the teams, you know, no teams have won more state championships than St. Dominic and Lewiston, right, Mm -hmm. Um, over the course of uh, nearly 50 between the two of them over the course of history. Um, So to to see Lewiston reemerge, but they were always knocking on the door. Yeah. I mean, if you look through the the, the, the past 18 years of, of, or 16 years since they won in 2002, uh, they were state runners up five times. Okay, yeah. you know, before they started winning, uh, it might have even been six. I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me, obviously, <laughs> but uh, it was a lot. You know, they went three straight, three straight times in a row uh, with uh, Coach Gagne. Um, they went uh, twice with uh, with Coach Bello uh, after that. So, um, you know, it, it's been fun to see. Um, they've had, a, they've truly had a good class come through. Several classes come through, uh, really, and it started in my mind. It started with the uh, uh, emerging of the Lewiston Maniacs in Lewiston, mm. um, which was 2003 when the Maniacs started skating in Lewiston. And so you're seeing this generation of kids now coming through that are high school kids. These are the kids that grew up watching the Maniacs and aspiring to be that good. And really, the Maniacs really kind of gave a shot in the arm to the youth programs, which had been kind of on the decline a little bit um, in the Lewiston-Auburn area. And you saw it in, in Auburn, too. Edward Lowe's better now on a more consistent basis. St. Noms is reaping that benefit because as a you know, as a as a private Catholic school they can, you know, draw from wherever. So but the Lewis and Auburn area in general has seen a, a rise of good young hockey talent over the last 10, 12 years, and part of that is because they had that program to aspire to with the maniacs coming through in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, and now those kids are reaching seventeen, sixteen, eighteen years old and when they got their start, they got their start in a, in a revitalized youth program that, that drew its inspiration from that, that junior team. And yeah. you're seeing that come to fruition now across the board. Well, I did. I actually just pulled up the spreadsheet here on the MPA website. Yeah, obviously, three in a row for the boys' hockey team at Lewiston. But I'm looking at this. St. Dom's hasn't won it in boys' ice hockey since 2000. So it's been a while for them. They won back-to-back titles, 99-2000. So on the other side of things, what... What does St. Dom's you think? Why why do you think they haven't been able to prevail over the last you know uh, eighteen years here? Well, for a while after that two thousand year, they actually should have gone back to back to back. Two thousand and one, they got uh, a little uh, uh, full of themselves. <laughs> I really believe. Okay. Um, in two thousand and one, no, they did. I mean, it's yeah. Like, 
Um, you know, they, they were the best team all year, and then they went into a quarterfinal matchup against, or I believe it was a semifinal matchup against Portland. And mm. Portland surprised them. Just came out of nowhere and and and, uh, and upset them in the first round, of the, in the second round of the playoffs. Mm. And uh, they, so they should have gone uh, triple back to back to back there. Uh, instead, Waterville uh, won in 2001 there. So, um, but uh, you know, after after that, they've been back a handful of times as well. Uh, they yeah. have. They've been back uh, and become runner up. And of course, they ran into a couple of good Lewiston teams. But they also ran into the problem was is is the way the divisions were set up after that 2000 run, they moved Lewiston and, and St. Dominic on opposite sides of the draw, mm. and so St. Dom's had to try and go through the other western slash southern teams, and so they ran into the Biddeford teams with Brian Dumoulin, they ran into the Thornton Academy teams with C.J. Maxit and that crew, they ran into the Scarborough team uh, with Joe Mayo. Uh, uh, you know, they, they ran. They ran into some really, really good uh, teams on the western side that they probably would have gone back to the state championship a little bit more had they not uh, been on that side of it. It was just kind of bad luck and bad timing for that that, that uh, program. But at the same time, you know, St. Dom's is is always a, a strong program, and they always seem to be in the mix when it matters. And and uh, it's fun to see, you know, the rivalry uh, now that they've moved them back into the same division again. They're both in the north. Uh, you see that they're going to meet more often now, which is more fun for everybody involved. Yeah, Lewis won three in a row, but they have a ways to go to match St. Dom's 12 in a row from 1946 to 1957. So there was a time when it was all about well, St. And, Dom's. And St. Dom's actually won five more in a row after that, after a little Dixfield there. Uh, right. They won uh, that, that's one heck of a story as well, which we told. Uh, many times uh, we told many times at the Sun Journal, but uh, yeah, uh, I love doing that story and talking about that because there's still some folks that that were on that team or coached that team that are around that, sure. that remember that um, 1958 little team that could out of Dick's Field and they went out and uh, defeated St. Dom's on a, on a on a day when everybody thought they lose by six or seven. <laughs> So yeah, obviously the upset's always always fun to remember and everything. Well, uh, coach, you have any more questions for? Uh, no, I'm all set. Good? All right. Well, Justin Pelletier, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with the move uh, there at the Boston Herald. Uh, again, the Twitter account to follow Justin is jpel915 there on Twitter. Thanks so much again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care, Justin.